0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 581 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by ProStride. On tonight's USDF episode, we have two competitors from the most recent USEF championships, Katie Pogue and Lindsay Hollinger. Then we will be joined by FEI four star judge Lee Tubman, who will explain to us how to judge Piaf and Passage. This is Reese Coughler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky,
0: and this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show.
1: Well, hi, Phil. How are you?
0: I bet everybody thought that I wasn't going to be here today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Reese doing the intro. We gotta switch it up every once in a while.
1: And we do, we do. Well, as of everything in twenty twenty, and I think we're all laughing. Uh sometimes we have to be adaptable. And uh Phil's Phil's having a little mic trouble tonight. We still have him, but um, we decided yeah, that that I would Mike, take the Mike reason. Is not,
0: the mic is not cooperating. And <laughs> I have tried two computers and I, I kind of, you did some uh,
1: dance at one point. Yeah, like it's uh. it's You know, I think I think truly, if we learn anything from this year, it is how to be adaptable, how to change things, how to, you know. I'm even teaching a Zoom class. Like what? I don't
0: know. Just go with the flow, right? Just go.
1: Exactly. You know, it's it's good that that Travis. You know, my husband is a tech guy because I call him a cute tech guy of my class because cute tech guy does have to come in every once in a while. So you know, it's just I have learned. uh, Yeah. But in that spirit, Phil, you did kind of a fun thing today. What'd you do today?
0: We did a fake show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, hired, we hired a judge to come over to our go over to the training barn and uh, we got all dressed up and we yeah we just, we just did our did our warm up on the, in the indoor and then uh, went out to our outdoor and rode through rode through our tests, memorized them, the whole deal. So that was how we're entertaining ourselves.
1: I love it because yeah. in in Canada, there's no showing this season at all. Right.
0: There is going to be a show before winter. Oh, good. So we shall see. But <laughs> at the time we planned this whole thing, there was nothing going on. So, uh, we had to make something going on and, you know, kind of, I, it was great. I mean, it was a fantastic idea to do. And it was, so I wrote, wrote through a test, uh, got my feedback, you know, Oh, you know, I want to try this or try that. And then, uh, uh then wrote through the next test and got the feedback there, had it scored and judged, and uh so it's great experience. Yeah. I, All I, right. Did I, you I break 70? I, did I break 70? Uh-huh. Uh well, is let me I just just wrote down the scores. Let me look.
1: <laughs> Everybody who's been on the show knows Phil is always like, Oh, you got a 69.8. What was the 70? Yeah. Like he'll so cheer you. I got so 60, I had to
0: get a sixty nine point eight seven on one. Oh I'm just die. not going to
1: say it, Phil. I'm not going
0: to do mark. it, everybody. I just needed not- one extra mark.
1: I'm not going to do it, everybody. You know I want to, but I'm going to keep it on the up and up and say, Phil, well done. Actually, that's a very okay. good score. Congratulations. Right. Maybe if it was
0: a I would get a 70.
1: But he teased me, so I feel like I should get back at him a little. But uh, no, that's great. It's a fantastic idea. Um, we're also, we are getting ready for a horse show. We've got a, a local horse show. I feel, I think I feel very comfortable showing at the horse park. Uh, we haul in, we ride our test and we come home. So I'm, I'm showing this weekend as well. in our sort of Kentucky championships, our regional championships, not regionals, but a regional uh, so we'll see, we'll see how this weekend goes and, um, how I'm feeling about progressing on to, to regional championships. I, I don't know that requires travel, which I'm qu- not quite there yet. So, um, but we'll see. So I'm looking forward to it. And also, yeah, I kind of warmed up and, and, uh, dusted off the four, three tests, which I haven't done since Florida. So needed to, needed to dust that one off a little. So that was good. So I think again, you know, kind of having that goal, you know, once a quarter or once a month to say, okay, I'm this day, we're going to ride the, ride the test. And, um, I'll be honest. I didn't uh, like, for me, I learned that today I didn't quite warm my pirouettes up enough. So I need to need to do that a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, being able to sort of, warm up and ride test is definitely a thing that is important so um yeah but you inspired us Phil we're going to we're going to probably next week or the week after uh do also uh the same thing and have a little have a little show
0: just going with- to get your Sorry.
1: show clothes on yeah yeah, yeah. well uh, yeah I-, I i yeah we'll we'll have some that you know one is a young horse and i don't even know if he's even been braided you know so we're going to we're going to do that so that should be really fun so I love it. You inspired us. Well, we have a great show, so we want to get started, and we hope you enjoy.
0: ProStride is the all-natural solution for lameness. It uses the power of your horse's own blood to relieve pain, reduce inflammation, and improve mobility to keep them sound. ProStride can be completed stall-side by your veterinarian in just 20 minutes with no need for trailering. Research has shown improved performance and lasting results with a single injection. No series, no daily supplements, and no monthly regimen. When every stride counts, ProStride. Learn more at ProStride.com. Founded in
2: 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection
1: to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination
3: for dressage.
1: Well, tonight I am so excited to have on-site head trainer at Maplewood Warm Bloods, USDF bronze and silver medalist, Lindsay Hollinger, on the program. Welcome, Lindsay.
3: Thank you. Nice
1: to be here. We're so happy to have you, and you're like my hero you rode five horses at the USEF National Festival of Champions last week, didn't you?
3: I did. I did. It was it was pretty much a marathon. <laughs> oh my god!
1: I bet I was. You know, oh my lord. So tell me first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself, and then we want to hear about the horses you took.
3: Yeah. So um, I, like you said, I'm the head trainer at Maplewood Hornblood. Um, I started out in the young rider um, program. I did um, juniors and young riders, and I got to ride in a lot of the EDAP clinics and um yeah i kind of developed that way I used to ride with aaron brinkman and jody kelly and i did as many clinics with um all of the EDAP coaches as, as often as i could and uh, a couple of years ago maybe two and a half years ago i um yeah i got a message from jen vanover who's the owner and breeder here at maplewood up in new york and and i, I remember looking at the message and on my phone and she was like looking for a person. I was like, I guess I'm moving to New York. So, um, I started out assistant trainer and then about a year and a half ago, I moved up to head trainer and it's been really awesome ever since.
1: I love it. Lindsay, just for people who don't know, can you tell us what the EDAP program is?
3: Yeah. Um, it was the emerging dressage athlete program. I'm not completely sure if it's called that anymore. Um, it was a couple of years ago, but Uh, You know, the Robert Dover Horse Mastership Week um, clinics down in Wellington, all of those kinds of things. Um, uh, Lennon Gray was often a coach and Robert Dover. And I rode with Scott for the first time um, during one of those clinics and Debbie McDonald. I got to ride with so many really, really awesome trainers and coaches that uh, that helped my riding so much when I was so young. So it was really awesome to be a part of that. I love it.
1: Well, it's so fun to hear how you've come through the system and now, you know, yeah. like you said, you're an assistant trainer and now you're a head trainer and you have some amazing horses. So tell us about yeah. the horses that you took to festival.
3: Absolutely. It was it was really cool to be able to take all horses from four year olds all the way to the developing Grand Prix. Starting with the four year olds, we took two that I started. Um I, I started both of these guys probably one was about a year ago, and then the other one was about um, only five months ago. Okay, <laughs> so, wow. You know, it was, it was kind of a, you know, some have more experience than others, and with COVID, it was kind of hard to get the baby's experience and, and all of that, but they handled themselves so well. Um, one was a four-year-old stallion, M.W. Bodacious, and he is got um, by Porcelino and he's such a sweet boy. He's got all the talent in the world. He's He tries so hard, and he just did so well. Um, he ended up fourth in the class, and awesome. um, the other little filly, she's also four, obviously. She's uh, MW Vice School, and she's by Gray Flannel. and uh, she ended up, I think she was 12th or something. Um, it was quite exciting the first day. She uh, there was the award ceremony in the stadium down below. And uh, she obviously had never heard applause before. So oh, we proceeded yes. to bolt across the arena <laughs> towards the out. She was like, bye, I'm gone. Um, oh. But, you know, she was so good. She she had a great test otherwise. And uh, the second day, the test was really good. And um, I think she ended up with like an 8 on that, an 8.0 on that day or something like that. But she was really, really good. And for five months under saddle, I was so proud of her. So they were really, really, I couldn't ask any more of them. And then we took um, two in the developing pre-St. George. Um, one was M.W. Ave Maria, and the other was M.W. Scylla Moore. And um, Silly did really well, and she, she tried really hard. But she, she's actually, like, one of our best broodmares. Um, so she was started at four and we've actually had probably five babies on the ground already by her or wow. out of her. And, um, yeah, she, so she was a little bit behind, but just, just to be there and, and doing so well. And she's such a high quality horse and put down a really high quality test. So I was really proud of her for that. And she's obviously very green. They're both only seven. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't ask any more of them. And uh, Ave Maria, she was probably our best finisher of the week. And she, uh, she ended on like a 70% average. And wow. um, the first day we both had some nerve and stuff. So uh, we, we made a couple pretty expensive mistakes, but the second day she was second overall and uh, just an incredible horse. Like she's just my dream and she's also seven and um, yeah, I, I just love her. Wow. And then the last one. Is uh, our Grand Prix stallion? He's, uh, his name is M W Finemark, and he, we, all of these horses that it only had like maybe two two tests at that level ever. And so when we went in, we had to drop the whip and we had a couple of bobbles because of that. But um, he tried really hard, and he gets a little nervous in the race, But um, he, the quality is so good, and I'm really proud of him for that. So. Um, yeah, I'm excited to go back and do it again next year.
1: Absolutely. How fun is that? So tell us how was, you know, with the COVID, I think everyone's, um, you know, curious to hear how that went and, yeah, you know, tell us a little bit of your experience that way.
3: It was, it was a phenomenally run show. They did a great job of keeping everybody, you know, <laughs> separated and safe and stuff. And yeah, they, it, it was just run so well. Um, and even with COVID, the competition was so incredible still. And it was one of the most competitive years that I think I've seen going the last three years. This was, I, I think, the most competitive year. Um, so that was really cool to see. And everybody, it, it's such a nice show. Like everybody's so nice and the camaraderie is great. And, you know, you get to see the top horses and riders in the country and it just makes you better. You know, it's, it's just really awesome to see. Um, but qualifying, that was, it was interesting because we had about three shows in the span of 10 days. So we had seven days of those 10 days for showing and we had like seven to qualify. So it was, it was incredible. It was just a a real feat to get it done. But we, we did, we got it done and we all needed about a week off to just sleep. (laughs) Um, yeah, there was one show, we had seven horses at one show and, and you know, we're, I, I, I pulled my fiance out of the, out of the <laughs> farm and I was like, you got to help me. <laughs> so it was, it was a team effort, but we, we did good and, and we all, uh, we all survived. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. And so what's, what's the next step? Well, um, actually this, this, the part right after Lanslate is always one of my favorite parts of the training. Cause you get home and there's, you know, a whole wide world of things you can work on now that the show is over. So, um, now we're just training babies anywhere from the three-year-olds, getting them started up to, you know, Marky doing the, the Grand Prix and just making it more solid. So we just go right back to it really. I love it. I love it. Well,
1: Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on. And if anybody has questions about you or your sales horses or your horses, how can they find you online?
3: So we have a website, um, it's maplewoodwarmbloods.com. And then also we're on Facebook, um, both me and Jen Vanover and, uh, warmbloods we all have, um, Facebook, um, pages and we're always open to talk to anybody about anything. So yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much. And we look forward
1: to watching your career. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, right after the commercial break with Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back with four-star international judge Lee Tubman. Vitamin E is a powerful antioxidant that supports healthy muscle and nerve function by limiting cellular damage. Green grass is the best source of vitamin E for horses, but most horses don't spend enough time grazing to meet their needs. Hay, grain, and winter pasture provide little to no natural vitamin E. To ensure your horse's vitamin E requirements are met, choose Elevate. Elevate contains a readily available source of natural vitamin E. Elevate is cost-effective and easy to feed. To learn more about Elevate, visit the Kentucky Performance Products website at kppusa.com. Well, this evening, we are so happy to have international FEI four-star judge, Lee Tubman, on the program. He's an international rider and trainer and coach. Lee, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you very much. Happy to be here again.
1: Yes, we're happy to have you. And we've actually been getting some listener questions, and I, I, Phil and I aren't sure when we covered this last, so we wanted to to have uh, you know have you on the program. We don't talk enough about how Piaf and passage are judged. I think we all see, you know. Sometimes you watch and you're like, "Wow, that was so impressive!" But what made that a nine, or what made that Piaf, uh, you know, what's a good score? So we kind of wanted to do Piaf massage judging 101. So how about we start with the Piaf? Can you kind of start us off on our journey on on the 101 from judging perspective?
4: Sure. Uh, well, as you know, that's uh, included in uh, Intermediate Two and uh, the A and B tests and Grand Prix. And when you talk about PIAF, you just need to be specific of which test we are in. So the entry-level tests, uh, when the horse is PIAFing, uh, the requirement's a little bit lower. So when you would read these tests, you'll read that it says that there's a, an allowed movement. The horse is allowed to travel forward because it's introductory. And so we're trying to make it somewhat inviting for the horse to be uh, you know, inclined to PIAF for us. Also, the number of steps... Uh, it's much lower than the Grand Prix or Grand Prix Special. And then when we move into the Grand Prix and the Special, uh, that's the highest requirement. And if you were to pick up a test and read down either of those two levels, the top levels, and you find the column where it says PIAF, and then you start to look across, uh, this is always a coefficient movement. So it's it's very important in this test uh, that you'd be able to execute this movement properly. When we look further beyond the marking columns, we find a little box of directive ideas. So for anyone uh, new to this or, or wanting uh, supplemental information, that's a good starting point. And there's several directives in this box which talk about regularity and uh, the elasticity of the steps and number of steps and so on. To further that, you can also look in either of the national rulebook or FEI rulebook, and you'll get a very good description of what PIAF is. For the most part, it's the same in in each book. Um, But really what I want to see is uh, that there would be, number one, a willingness. Because this is a very difficult movement, uh, a lot of horses have to be very well prepared for it, which means they have to be very supple and really strong. And so there has to be a willingness to do this. We also have to see uh, clear diagonal pairs of of the steps, one, two, one, two. Uh, in a regular rhythm. We also would like to see that the outline of the horse is changed, the croup is lowered, uh, the joints of the hindquarters are compressing, the forehand is elevating. And very classically, if you read those uh, notes in the rule book, it would say things like the front hoof has to come to the middle of the cannon bone in the opposing front leg, the hind hoof raises to the fetlock on the opposing leg. And of course, the horse would be properly placed on, on the bit. So of all the movements to ride in the Grand Prix, this is one of the most difficult to train and prepare for. So it, it's something that's uh, quite difficult to perform. But when we talk about judging it, that part's really unique. So anytime I'm judging a show when I've got one of these classes, it's got Passage, PF, Passage Tour in it, um, I now I'm very quiet about it. I just say to my scribe, oh, okay, you know, in this test here, you'll have to really pay attention and, you know, get my marks down. If you miss a comment, no big deal. Because when you judge that, it happens really quickly. So part of your focus out of 100%, uh, when the passage starts, let's say Grand Prix at M, you're focused on that 100%. And as they make the turn to approach I to P F, you start to shift or morph your concentration onto the transition. So you still see that little end of Passage. Now you're looking at the transition. That hopefully is clear. And then you see the PF. Um, The horse PFs PFs, uh, 12-15 steps, leaves, transition out, new Passage. So when you mark that, your scribe wants to mark right away. Tell me what happened with the Passage. Well, that one's easy. And then they want to mark for the transition, but I can't give them that because there's two transitions. So uh, that part is ever so slightly hectic from the point of view of the scribe. But once they've done it once or twice, and you know, you're really calm with them, then it works out. But that's that's the only kind of tense part of that Grand Prix test.
0: Maybe you could tell us uh, a few of the the common mistakes or a few of the faux pas in the PF that that a judge would see. And, and, and maybe a commiserate score that, you know, that would be minus two or, or, or something like that? Well,
4: oh, I, can, I can give you some ideas there. We, you know, that's hard to do without um, actually seeing something as an example. But, um, of course, you know, when you ask me to come on here, I'm going to make some philosophical statements. So I'm <laughs> make one. That's, that's why <laughs> we, the, yes!
0: the, uh, we asked you uh, on.
4: Warning. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I trained this, you know, when I started out uh, long ago now, Everything was very separate. There, there was Passage, and then there was Piaf, and then there was a decision, which one do you start first? And then it was almost sort of mandatory that Piaf was work in hand. And now um, I think I would have changed significantly because I view Piaf as um, a version of Passage. Um, it's a shortened, compressed version of Passage. And the reason I started to change how I thought about that and trained it and was riding it would be the mistakes that you're talking about. If if I'm finite and I separate these two things and I'm passaging and I make my transition and then I think of Piaf in the model that was described a moment ago, the horse is sitting and, you know, he's trotting on the spot more or less. Um, there's something that happens there, a phenomena that occurs, and there's a loss of uh, willingness of the horse to continue to go forward. So when I would think of the horse passaging, and then I would compress that and make it closed up or or shortened, I still want that energy contained. And that energy, instead of being elongated, passage, and I shorten it, becomes Piaf. So inside my Piaf, I would want my horse to have the feeling of, I I could leave at any time. Uh, I want to leave he wants to passage out, which is easier of the two. So when you watch people ride this that don't think that way and separate the two things, we see a lot of mistakes. Um, rider enters the PF and they lose the first transition. The horse walks in. Well, of course, now if it walks in or if it stops in the transition, your transition's a failing score now. And then if it Piaf, um, does it PF continuously? uh does it travel traveling means um really that's like short steps when you're starting a horse and the horse might cover two to three meters i mean i've seen horses start um just before the center line and they're still piaffing at the next quarter line and then transition out so of course this is a a much lower score um to give you a mark well you'd have to see that but generally speaking if a horse is traveling you know, you might be in the sixth zone depending on all the other variables, if it's doing it correctly. If it loses rhythm and then it does it in two parts, so we see the horse transition in, we see it it starts to piast, this looks great, and they they get six to seven steps and then all of a sudden, boom, stops. Well, that's interrupted. And depending on how long that was interrupted, let's say it's a long time, well, you're below five now. And then if there's a recovery, do they recover in sufficient time to transition out? It's a really complicated thing. So most of the Piafs that I see that are problematic, there's a willingness problem. Um, The horse stalls, stops, hesitates. Or there's a strength problem. It's not off the ground. The horse is hardly lifting the legs. kind of looks like a shuffling halt, so to speak. And then... uh, We can once in a while see um, uh, a Piaf that's uh, uh, uneven behind one hind leg is clearly off the ground and elevating and the other one's not. So things like that, you are in a low marking zone then. And depending on the degree of of problem, uh, if it's a big degree of a problem, uh, it's below five and you're getting a failing mark.
0: I was thinking also about horses that... I mean, people use the term kind of base narrow, you know, if, if you're new to dressage or something and maybe your trainer says, oh, that, that PF was no good. It was it was base narrow or croup high. Uh, can you describe both of those situations? Sure, uh,
4: of course. Uh, croup high is a really good one. Um, croup high is a phenomena that occurs when someone is training their PF. And you can see this uh, regularly, for example, on, you know, things that are posted on Instagram or Facebook and someone new thinking, well, I'm going to do some work in hand with my horse. Well, you have to look at the entire picture of the horse when you when you are, whatever it is you're doing with it. And if someone comes along and says, well, I'm going to you know, uh, work my horse a bit in hand, and they have seen this um, on a video, and they try and do that, what ends up happening is you might make the hindquarter of the horse active and seem to be, uh responsive and and um engaging but you have to look at the whole horse and a lot of these times the horse is standing on its front end and once the horse learns to do this i think i would use the term uh catastrophic because once something's learned incorrectly it's extremely difficult to change that pathway that the horse has learned so in a test situation if someone comes in let's say it's national and they use their whip, and they use it uh, on the croup or on the hind quarter, often a horse will get croup high. We don't want that at all. It's completely the opposite of what's supposed to happen. This horse puts too much weight on its front feet. And what you also described there of being sort of tight in, in, in uh, front or base, narrow, you often see that in front at that time. So this is an incorrect PF and it's extremely difficult to transition out of that. On the center line, in the final uh, Passage Piaf and Grand Prix, you get a really good look at the alignment of the horse. There's a few horses that I've judged from the side, and I was very happy with their Piaf. I thought this was great. And then maybe the next test, uh, in the freestyle or the special, I was at C. And then they came down the center line like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? There could be a lot of side-to-side movement, like a significant side-to-side movement maybe with their front legs, or there's some almost crossing with their hind legs. So this is not, these two characteristics are not going to give you uh, a high quality uh, PF. And the horse may still meet a lot of the other criteria, but the marks of 10 or 9, 8, maybe even 7, um, they're not going to be marks for that horse. So that straightness and alignment that we talk about or we think about, you know, when we read articles or even the rule book, uh, tracking true and whatnot, um, that has to uh, remain in the PF and the Passage.
1: And and Lee, also a a pedestal PF. can you describe that for us?
4: Yeah, that's a tough one. And we (laughs) we had that uh, a few years back um, with one horse in particular. And uh, the front legs just get too far back. And again, this is a a commentary on caution, you know. When when you start to do something the first time, I think it's really important to to look at the entire picture, learning curve of the horse. And if we make a mistake and the horse's technique starts to um, go in an area we don't want it to go in, that's the part where you really have to think your way through that so you don't end up with that. Um, And once this happens, it's really difficult to correct So there was a horse that had this issue and it would start out and when it would begin, um, for sure, I'm right around the mark of eight. But then of course, you know, maybe this is step three to four. And as it progressed further and further and the front leg started to come further and further back, then there's a lowering, uh, of the mark. And, uh, there was one horse in particular that had this issue and the best PF it ever did, um, was, uh, in a freestyle. And, uh, the rider made the transition and didn't quite cue the horse to do the PF yet, but he must've practiced it a bit. And the horse knew this location to do the Piaf mm-hmm. and it did it by itself. And it was the best one I ever saw that horse do. <laughs> it was really good. And of course the rider's thinking, no, wait, I'm not ready. You know? And yeah. but I think if, if yeah. the horse had been prepared as normal, that, that result that you said would have been the conclusion.
0: Yeah, I, I think th- I think that's that's uh, a great discussion on, on PF. Is there any other comments that you can think of around that?
4: Well, yes, a couple of little things. When you you know when when you're trying to school this, uh, as I said to you, um, to me, I just view it as a version of passage, and I shorten it yeah. and try and make it vertical. And when you tend to do that, you'll have a confident feeling of reliability. But if you separate these things. And you just sort of, well, I'm going to go out on the track and PF. Do that with a horse that's done it for three years. But don't do that with one that's kind of a rookie. Make sure that mm-hmm. the rookie has everything going for them to be successful. And if you're a rider in this Grand Prix test and you start to come into PF and the horse stalls and fails on you, you have to realize we have all seen this. So you are already, unfortunately, in a lower marking zone, and I would suggest do your best to encourage the horse to try. But if it's not going to happen, just move on, find your way into the passage, and carry on. Uh, be very cautious about um, schooling that in in the ring. Once this happens, you're already getting a low mark, so there's you're not going to really recover from this. And sure, I understand the idea about well, my horse can't do that and you know I should correct him. But if you correct him too aggressively, the horse will harbor that tension. This will carry throughout the rest of the test. And you don't want that because I'm sure there's many other movements that you can perform really well. You also will create a sense of anxiety. So every horse that rides, let's say, five Grand Prix tests, they know the letter D and they know the letter I and they know the letter X. Each location you're going to be at. So if you're too aggressive with them uh, in the show ring doing that, then you're going to create anxiety. And, and you have to think about, well, what happens the next time?
0: Yeah, I think, I think there's something interesting that you said, because these movements, uh, people try to emulate a lot, like watch a YouTube video, or they saw somebody working a horse in hand, and they're just like, oh, that's pretty easy. You just hold with this hand, and you tap, and then the horse starts to dance. And I think this is a bit of a, bit of a problem, because it's not really that simple. And there, like you said, there are so many potential problems. And also, like you said, once they learn it the bad way, or you actually encourage it the bad way, because you're maybe a little uneducated or the video didn't make a point of, you know, telling you, Hey, don't, don't let this happen. Um, then yeah. you're in a really problem spot. I think even yeah. though it's, it's simple to watch, it's not simple to train and you need professional help. You need somebody who's trained 10 oh, grown yeah. to help you. You can't just go out and do it. It's, you know, no, Sorry, Another thing
4: that's interesting there is the horse doesn't know what's doing it wrong. Right. So as far as it knows, that's, you know, standard operating procedure.
1: And isn't it true? I mean, that, that can happen with so many things, right? That's why when you get to the higher school movements, the, especially Piazza Passage uh, changes, you could also say that's, that's a great time to call in a coach or someone who knows and has been there so that you don't start it and then have to to go back Uh, because once you, once it's trained incorrectly, it is really hard, right. To try and and fix it.
4: Totally. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about passage and and, and what you're looking for in the passage.
4: Uh, Passage um, cadence and lift. There there needs to be a separation from what is collected trot to what is passage. And when, uh, when someone's starting out with that, and they're trying to develop the passage, you have to have a quality collected trot. The horse has to be forward thinking. There has to be a high degree of uh, impulsion there. And whenever you would request from the horse that they would go more forward, this can't be a question. They need to, yes, of course, I'm going forward. And the other interesting, unique thing about passage is, in concept, when you create that, you have to think of riding that from behind first. So people that would start out and the thinking passage and they ride the horse forward or ride a medium trot and then start half halting it and trying to bring it back onto its hind legs, you're riding the wrong end. And when this happens, uh, usually the horse, uh, the hind legs go out behind. And then it's a question is, is this a slow collected trot or, or is, is this a, an attempt to be a passage? And, When I would see this in a test, I mean, if I am confused what it is, it's not a passage, very clearly. Um, Also, uh, the tests are very interesting when you would study the test, not just the choreography of the test, but what does the test tell you? So if we look at the Grand Prix test, and there's a segment in the Grand Prix where um, diagonal to V extension and develop passage VKD. This in itself tells you what you should be training. You should be riding the horse forward. And most importantly, the hind legs of the horse have to be underneath it in order for you to passage it. So, you know, one of my preferences in teaching is really elaborating on half halts. If the hind legs are not under the body, the horse can't do it. And we can also see this when you asked earlier about the Piaf. If a passage has the hind legs out and they turn uh, to make the Piaf at I, or you could even say down at D, and the hind legs are out behind them, there's not going to be a quality transition. If there's not a quality transition, the beginning of the pf will not be quality. So this is almost a mathematical equation of A plus B equals C, so to speak. Mm -hmm. If the hind legs are under, you have a passage. And the passage, when we say cadence, um, an accentuation of the two beats, boom, boom, airtime, we might say that's like the lift of the diagonal pair lifting. And you really, as a rider, feel that, wow, I'm really going up in the air, elevated. There's a bounce, a bounce to it, so to speak. So when I'm looking at a Passage, I really want to see that there's a difference from collected trot or the transition that M in the Grand Prix from collected walk. Wow, that's really different right away. The big problem with Passage is irregularity. So irregularity would mean, specifically, one hind leg is functioning uh, to capacity, and the other one is not. And I kind of look at this like two outboard motors on a boat, because I live in an ocean area now, and one engine is running properly, and the other one is not. And if these two are supposed to be synchronized, and I'm supposed to be driving straight, or even turning left or right, and one engine isn't performing, I can't do that. So Irregularity. If it's a moment of irregularity, you know, like maybe the rider bumps the horse with uh, the boot and and one diagonal fires a little bit higher and uh, enthusiastically more than the other, no big deal. It's a moment. But if it's irregular every stride, that's a huge problem. So when it's like that, we mark that down pretty hard. But that's probably the most common thing to see in, in the passage. Are the little things that we see um, stiff in the back? So we have to realize when we go from a collected trot, now we start to ask for passage, that's a lot more effort. And with a lot more effort must come a lot more maintenance from the rider to keep the horse supple, to keep it under, to keep it through, and most importantly, to keep it in self-carriage. So when when someone starts out and they're focused only on, I've got to get that cadence and lift, they forget about the other qualities, so the horse might be passaging, but then we don't see that it's in a high marking zone of ten or nine or eight. You know, maybe we hit an entry level seven without horse. So those are some things that that uh, can happen in the passage.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah. When when I watch uh, horses passage or I'm watching tests or whatever, I I always a little bit pay attention to the curb rein on the horse's bridle just to sort of talk about that self-carriage point or, you know, that the rider isn't just kicking the horse and then using, using that curb rein to stop the horse at the same time. You know, I think that's, that's maybe a bit of a common thing to see. Okay. Well, that's a really good point. So
4: what I, what I personally really like to see is I like to see that in an entire test of 33 movements or 36 in the Grand Prix special, that the rider would, Use the curb rein periodically as required to perhaps get the horse back a little quicker on its hind legs or get a prompt response. But when they do that, and I should see the shank of the curb rein fall forward, not that that shank is pulled back in all 33 movements. I grew up riding in the snaffle, that was like a religion. And we rode in my training program back then in the double bridle once a week just to clean it off. And everything was really controlled in the snaffle bridle. And when we rode in the double bridle, you had to adjust the reins. It wasn't that I took up the curb rein, I entered the arena, halted, saluted, and then the curb rein was tight the whole test. Um, the realization here is that creates a tension in the horse. That's The chain pinches them under the chin, and that's the ace of the submission. get the horse to be a little more cooperative but like i would drive and i would apply my foot to the brakes at a certain point to stop quicker i can't keep my foot on the brake all the time or there will be a negative side effect so with a horse that would would be in that condition or state throughout the test you are putting into them a tension this tension um, doesn't evaporate it stays and unfortunately that tension will go into the top line of the horse that makes it very difficult for you to keep the horse through, working through properly. Um, and it's also, I, I need to be able to see, wow, your half halts work really well. Your half halts have to work really well. And when they don't, or someone panics if it's someone new, and they tighten up on the curb ring, then it's like a non-stop half halt from movement one to movement 33. So the expectation here, you can't expect that you would really get an optimal performance out of your horse, um, given that pressure applied to their chin. And you shouldn't be using that pressure applied to their chin to get them through. They should be through because of your basic work that you've done over time, hopefully taking your time, and really coming to a point where my horse really works over its back really well, stretches to the bit really well, and my half holds work. So from start to finish in this test, you know, if it's Grand Prix and it's 33 movements, a good question would be, how many half-halts do you actually ride when you're in that test? The second question would be, how many of them actually went to the horse's hind legs? If you don't think of this, then of course we're all taught to half-halt and we would tend to do it, but did it work? So the failure of a lot of these, uh, of either of these two movements tends to have a lot to do with training level and first level and second level characteristics. The little box at the top of the test paper that basically states, I'll paraphrase, this is what you should be doing. If we lose that and we become obsessed or excited or blinded by these uh, exciting movements, well, you're riding from the wrong end of the perspective. So a horse that passages really well or Piaf's really well should be a horse that works fundamentally really well. I mean, riding medium trot or extended trot on a horse that half halts beautifully and, and comes under behind, they're going to passage in no time and they're not going to find it difficult. And if you did it in such a way where you just played with that, like it's a transition, you can actually get them to do it and they don't really even know they're doing it. That would then be a reliable horse in the show ring.
0: Yeah. Yeah, those are, I mean, those are great points to, to think about yeah, while you're training every day, no matter what level you're riding, so that you can make it to the top, I think. So, I just wanted to ask you one more thing because this is a movement that you probably see, well, more and more in freestyles, I think, is the PF, uh, I don't know, we call it PF pirouette, PF turn. Uh, I mean, it's not in any of the technical tests, but it's in in the freestyle. Well, some people use it in the freestyle. Can you just give a little discussion on that?
4: Yeah, that falls into uh, an elevated degree of difficulty. Uh, And what's supposed to happen here in theory is that you would begin piaffing normally. And then you would demonstrate the ability to turn the horse in, in one direction or the other, to turn the horse, let's say, to the left. So you're proving a point, and the point that you're proving is the horse will pee off if I move it to the left or I come back to center or I move it to the right. So that's an elevated degree of difficulty. That's harder than just standing in one area on a straight line. And you generally see it uh, most of the time in the uh, higher quality freestyles with someone that's had the Grand Prix, a Grand Prix horse for you know a couple of years and it's established. We don't tend to see that movement very much in um, a, a rookie season uh, freestyle with you know a new horse coming in because it is quite difficult, and when it's executed, it, it should have a similarity to uh, a bit of a pirouette. So a lot of the ones that I end up seeing, the entire horse moves, the the hind end kind of breaks free a little bit, you know, like a walk pirouette when they step wide. Uh, so when that happens, you, you're taking away really a degree of difficulty. So the point is that you can lower the croup, you're going to keep it more or less in one spot, it's gonna stay active, and you can demonstrate how you could make sort of a, a windshield wiper effect going to the right and the left. So it's a very high degree of difficulty, probably the highest with PF, but when it's executed, if you think of your windshield wiper on, on your windshield, there's a, a point where the windshield wiper is attached to the vehicle. And the other end of the windshield wiper, which would be like, let's say, the nose of the horse, well that that forehand covers quite a bit of distance to the left and the right. But the hindquarter we'd like it to stay in one area, so you're you're proving the degree of difficulty, not croup high and the haunches swing out and, and move out and away.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, Lee, we can't, We could keep you on here for hours, so we can't thank you enough because it's just <laughs> fascinating to listen. I'm listening and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm taking notes like crazy. So we can't thank you enough for all, all your time tonight on really Piaf 101 yeah, and Passage. It's fantastic. So how can our listeners well, find you online?
4: Um, I have a website, www.leetubman.com.
0: Fantastic. And
4: uh, of course on Facebook. Yeah, uh, But uh, thanks again for having me, because, you know, uh, one of the things I really like to do is is study the material. And I think back to, well, the beginning decade, the second, the third decade. And, uh, you know, in judging a lot and doing a lot of tests a year, there's a lot of data that would support a lot of the commentary that I make. And you can see if you judge 40 horses, 40 Grand Prix horses for the Olympic trials or, you know, one season it was 80 smolter horses for pan Ams uh, two pan Ams ago and you can really see wow there's a statistic and where does that statistic come from uh, so it's quite an educational process and then I try and put that into you know what I would uh, uh, teach people when I'm helping them with their horses so it's fun
1: it's fantastic well it's fascinating and and like you said even just reading the directives of the test you mentioned that and and I tell everybody like there there are actually Directives that the judges yeah. are judging you on
4: there's words there, <laughs> yes, there's yeah. words
1: there. And they don't get printed yeah. unless until you get your test sheet back, like at least in the u s, yeah. you know our our directory doesn't they don't print that anymore. And so if you didn't know yeah. that that was actually some extra words, like a whole column, uh, to go online and find that because it's really an important document. And that's how you know yeah, how you're getting the scores. So yeah. well, once again,. Open book exam, exactly. And like you said, you have statistics and you literally have something that tells you what you're judging. So it, it, it makes a little more sense. Uh, and then obviously someone like you who's fascinating and has so many hours of experience. So, well, we can't thank you enough. One more time, how can our listeners find you online?
4: Uh, www.leetubman.com Fantastic.
1: Well, thank you, Lee. And we can't wait to have you back on. This is fun.
4: No problem. Thank you very much.
1: Well, Phil, we got a cool update from Total Saddle Fit on Facebook today, didn't we?
0: Yeah, so um, the the company has decided to expand their offerings and sizes of the um, Total Saddle Fit stability stirrups, the slim version. So if you were looking and they didn't have the size that you wanted, check them out now because I'm pretty sure they have all of the sizes um, that, that you're going to need. So that's yeah, and great. They,
1: and shorter sizes, too. They said uh, shorter sizes are available. So uh, when we really like those, I, I really like that for my ladies um, who have maybe a shorter leg or they're or quite thin. Uh, those have been awesome. So they really, really like them. So I love it that they have new sizes. So as always, Justin at Total Saddle Fits the best. And uh, check out www.totalsaddlefit.com. They have fantastic girths stirrup leathers, pads, uh, they're fantastic. So uh, we, we thank them for their support, but also we love their products.
0: This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, for this
1: week's Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, we have one of our favorite guests back on the show, Katie Pogue. She's just back from the uh, USEF Festival of Champions. She is an international rider, trainer, and judge. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to be back on. I know. We haven't had you in a while, and this is unacceptable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It is. It has been a while. Um, I think it's probably <laughs> been a while for lots of things throughout <laughs> this yes. world and regrouping, but I'm glad to be back on with you guys.
1: We love it. Well, I, I was so happy you you and Ziggy and your wonderful student had a sleepover here on your way to festival. So that was so fun. I got to see you and catch up a little bit in person, socially distant. Um, and of course. On your way to festival. So tell us, how is Ziggy doing? Diggy is good. Uh, we have
2: recovered. Um, yes. Long trip up. Glad we had wonder wonderful bed and breakfast with Reese to overnight up and back. And um, definitely needed need a little time to regroup when we got back. Um, but we are back to work and trying to get ready for the next competition. is a, a wonderful time. And I think we will
1: continue to move forward. So how was festival? I mean, for you, it was a very long drive, right? Yes. For us, um, coming
2: from Charleston, South Carolina, we, um, I guess in total, it was probably 18 hours, um, just with traffic. Um, everything could have gone a little bit smoother. Um, but the nine hours turns into 10 hours and six hours turns into seven hours into eight hours. And so then you stop and check on the horses and fuel up for vehicles and people and um, so no, out is long on the way home. What was really cute is my other half, David, who was wonderful in taking care of the farm, his parents live um, in Flat Rock, which is close to Asheville. And when we were going up, I just by chance stopped at their exit and realized it was their exit. And then I was like on the way home, I got a call and let them know and try to schedule and make it there. Anyway, so I did. And David's mom and dad and actually his two uncles we were all in town and they met us at the gas station and they had big signs and they social distance. And it was like the cutest thing ever. <laughs> and people were stopping and asking what was happening. And it was just really cute. So it let the last four hours of the trip be really, we were awake at that point. Um, <laughs> and so it was just, it was fun coming home <laughs> and having people that we knew actually stop us at the gas station and Congratulate us! So that was that was pretty cute and special.
1: That's so fun! I love it. And how was the horse show for, in regards to like COVID? And how did you feel showing?
2: Um, I I was very impressed. Um, the group that puts on the show, along with USEF, did an outstanding job. Um, all of the the entries, all the paperwork, all the paperwork that Lamplight needed. Everybody was able to do it online. So there was this little close contact, um, you know, office work that we had to do, just kind of went, picked up packets and that was it. They had everything really spaced out, really organized. They were super careful every morning. Everybody got their temperatures checked, got wristbands. Um, They had Zoom meetings for kind of all the groups. They had, For, like, the the younger groups with the the equitation, the juniors, the young riders, the FBI ponies, FBI children, and then some of the young horse and developing horse, and then for the Island Championships and the Grand Prix. And so everybody has Zoom meetings um, just to kind of announce things or have people be able to ask questions at any point Kristen and Hallie were around that you could ask them questions and they were extremely helpful. Um all of the award ceremonies they had just ironed out in the just most organized way and had all the ribbons spaced out and had already given people the heads up to have somebody there to help go grab your ribbon and put it on your horse and so that everybody was able to really keep to themselves and or their group. Um, from office work to, you know, putting ribbons on horses. And it was just, it was for, for me, it did feel very comfortable. Um, they had sent out a survey earlier before the competition, just asking if there were things that they, any advice or suggestions that we could give to make us feel more comfortable. And, um, you know, so all of that for me was greatly appreciated just all the hard work they put into it. And, and so it did. I felt very comfortable. Um, my student and then her mom came a little bit later in the week, and we all kept our space, and everybody seemed very respectful, which was nice, too. Um, there weren't any people that were just stubborn. So, no, I thought, I thought the, whole, the whole organization with USCF and, and the showgrounds did a great job.
0: So, Katie, you're going to have to tell us uh, what you know about your results and and how you felt about those results, and and uh, give us an update about Z that way.
2: So we um, we ended up third overall, which is great. Um, the first first ride in the Grand Prix for us. We haven't done anything since I guess it's the very beginning of March. Um, it's always helpful if you can have a a few more shows under your belt before you go or something maybe a little closer before you go to something this big. And, um, so it was, you know, kind of took us a little bit to get back in gear, um, show gear. And so we made improvements from the first ride to the second ride to the third ride. We did the freestyle on the last day and I have not done a freestyle with him since 2017. So I was really excited and I was very pleased with it. We had a couple late changes behind or even, and um just we could all be a little more through here and there. But um, all in all, it was just ending with the freestyle for me. It was just a ton of fun and being in that arena and the whole atmosphere and being up there. Um I'm very thankful for all my rides that I get with him since we are getting a little bit older. Um, but I still think you've got a lot of, a lot of juice left in there. So no, it was, it was great to take each ride. Um, and for me, I definitely finish a ride and think about the things that can be improved and work on for the next one. And we had some great schooling sessions and and the weather for whatever reason, this year was beautiful. <laughs> um, that was also a big plus for us. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad it was not as hot as it has been in the past or pouring rain. I mean, it was just, it it really was fall-like weather. Um, and so we just, we lucked out on that. And that was definitely a helpful thing for us. But no, it just, the, the ending of it with the freestyle, I just, it was just a lot of fun. And I enjoy my freestyle and it was a great place to do that and kind of has me pumped up to, get going a little bit more with the freestyle in the future. And um,
1: so, yeah, so it was great. Awesome. Very pleased with the results. Oh, fantastic. Well, we are so happy for you guys because it's been a long road with him and it's so fun to see him keep still competing. It's fantastic. So, Katie, you have a great trainer tip of the week for us. What you got? Yeah, so I had a, a student that um, went to the, the show
2: with me. And whether it's a big show or a recognized show, a championship, anything, um, something that I wanted her to um, recognize to maybe take the edge off a little bit because everybody has show nerves and we're all learning how to control them and even our horses, but that when we go to a show, everybody is there almost kind of starting i mean we have records and um ranking lists and things like that but actually going to that show it's kind of like everybody's starting from scratch like it's clean and trying not to be concerned or overwhelmed with big names and people who have gotten these scores in the past and just going to a show And just thinking that everybody is there, everybody could have a good day, a bad day, like you just, you don't know. And so I think if everybody can go to a show trying to feel like it's a more equal playing field and really trying to give yourself probably more credit than what riders normally do and students normally do, um, and just kind of know that it's everybody's kind of starting from scratch and Everybody's doing their best, um, and not to let people's past scores or histories or rankings overwhelm you, and just to go out, and really, really give it your best. Because anybody can have a fabulous day and 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 really do well. And we're all we're all in this together, and we're all constantly learning. And um, and I think that's what's so great about this sport. And even the the friendships that you can create. And so if we can just keep thinking in those terms, I think it's very helpful for showing because it was just something I noticed with my student as we were kind of packing up and going, the concerns of the the big, big group of people who have kind of been there and done that. And it was like, nope, you can go out there and do just as well.
1: Yeah, for so, sure. A long, a long a long winded tip. Um, no, I, I think it's true though. I mean, I, I, because if you really looked at the ranking list, um, you know, it really shifted you, from people who qualified to people who didn't qualify, it really shifted this year. Yeah. And I think it happens every year. You know, I think and the same things will happen going into regional finals and, you know, sometimes you maybe you get a judge that just loves you and you come in with a big score or maybe it isn't your day. When you qualified, but man, you've trained hard and and you've really you get it at the horse show. Um, so I think that that makes sense and that's a really good tip. I actually very rarely look at who's in my class or I don't know. Do, do you guys do that? I don't I don't look because I.
0: You know, I really it doesn't make I sense.
2: don't. I mean I will probably by the time we have gotten somewhere. Um, yeah, obviously for this one where you're trying to follow a ranking list to see if you're making a top number. Um, you're looking at that, but for regular shows, I really don't, but I have had students in the past who the week before they almost get obsessed with looking and then it turns into a worry that they know that this person is in it. And then they start looking up that person's scores and all this stuff. And it just ends up being so overwhelming and I can't do that. And so I try to advise them not to, <laughs> um, Because it's just not, I don't think anything like that is helpful. Um, So definitely try to keep, you know, as as neutral as possible and just focus on your horse and focus on what we're working on and focus on what we need for the show and and not anybody else and be at the arena and warm up when you need to be and make sure you have all the things you need. But um, no, I just, I, I think it's too overwhelming
0: Yeah, it's just. I think it's completely pointless. I mean, the beauty of our sport is we're, you know, we're competing against ourselves in front of a judge, and that's it. Whoever else wants to show up the show that I'm showing at, you you can come along, but it it doesn't affect me at all. It's not like it's head to head. Like you know, it's just it's not important. You know, so it's. I mean,
2: right. And we're all we're all trying to improve on improve something for ourselves and our horse and somebody else can be at a completely different place maybe at the same level and and that's fine and that's what they're doing and we're doing what we're doing
0: yeah i i'm, I'm doing my thing over here and mm-hmm. everybody else can do their thing over there and then you know whatever and when when it's all over said and done then the scores will work themselves out and i can affect that right? you know right. i'm not you know i'm not defending against you like uh, against somebody else's score there's nothing i can do but i can o- only do the best job that i can and focus on the things that i want to accomplish and if that means first place that's great i can have a great ride and be 20th i can still feel good about that or i can have a kind of right. a crappy ride and be right. and be third or something you know like that's how our sport works out
2: mm-hmm. yeah you
0: know, so and
2: i think i think the, too-
0: yeah, the judges and 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 the score makers and the competition, they can worry about that. I'm not worried about that. So what?
2: Right. No. And I think what's difficult sometimes too for people um, or what I've experienced is, um, you know, that it's a a big deal for people. And of course they want to be do the best and they've put time and money into it. And, you know, it's trying to kind of explain that this sport just, does not happen overnight it takes time and that's part of the enjoyment um for me is is the whole process and um sometimes that makes it hard on people because they have put so much into something and trying to just kind of take a step back and reflect on all the positive things so no it, it's definitely definitely a, a a juggle um but trying to kind of stay in your own little little bubble and go to shows and, um, work with your coach and, you know, trust, trust your coach too. And I think that's another great thing. Not as many coaches came this year just because of COVID and traveling, but with the festival, um, being able to have the opportunity to work with the coaches for the different groups, I think is, you know, a really awesome thing for, for people, um, who haven't had that Experience with some big time coaches. Um, so I think that's a wonderful thing that they offer. But no, it's it would, it, it's nice if we can all kind of get into our own little bubble with our coach and um, be our biggest fan and not yeah.
1: let everything yeah. else be overwhelming. For sure. Well, Katie, great advice. How can our listeners find you more information about you online?
2: Um, I am at Katie Pope Dressage dot com. And I'm also on Facebook and, um, but no, this has been, this has been great. I appreciate you guys having conversation and having the the show. And it's just uh, a great thing for people to have. And thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for coming on. We will ask again. Don't worry. All right. Great to talk to you guys. Well, Phil, we got a great email and tip today, and we love emails. They make my day. So this came from Liz in Decatur, Indiana, and we love this tip. So we... Last week, we talked about putting your whip in your other hand, which I have made students do all week. And she said, whip in one hand. I'm very left-handed, and I just couldn't carry my whip in my right hand. I picked up another whip, one in each hand. My brain instantly understood. My right hand mimicked my left hand easily. After about a month, I dropped down to one. Very stress-free. Love it. That's a really good idea. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. She obviously wasn't whipping the horse with both whips, right? She was just, she was trying to figure out how the coordination worked. So I am going to try that, Liz. That's fantastic um, because it's very hard. I've been trying to brush my teeth with the opposite hand. <laughs> I, it's it's I'm a weekend and I'm better, but uh, I still have to like go back. Right. righty To make sure I got everything. So I love that Liz. Really good. Thank you so much. And as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. They make our day. The United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com.
0: You can find me on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a great show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and ProStride. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com.
1: Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. Thank you.